yeah, I could have gone back, you know, for another year or whatever, but I just felt like I was ready with graduating twice. You know, I don't need a third degree in my opinion. So I'm ready to roll. <laughs> you know, I don't need a third degree. Yeah. I've got two. I don't need a third one. They can put a Dr. Jones on my jersey if I get another one. <laughs> This season of Half Forgotten History, we're partnering with Mercedes-Benz Sprinter Vans. I love the Sprinter Van. It's always a smooth ride, whether I'm headed to the course to play around or to the stadium for a really good tailgate. And just like the world-class athletes we talk to on the show, Mercedes-Benz Sprinter Vans go the extra mile. Hey everybody, what's up? Trey Wingo here. Welcome into another episode of Half Forgotten History Season 3. By now, you know how the show works, but we're making a pivot in season three, and we're turning our attention to one of my favorite things of the entire sporting year, the NFL Draft. What makes the draft so exciting is it's so unpredictable. Nobody actually knows what's going to happen, and this week's guest pretty much embodies that entire theory. It's former Alabama quarterback Mac Jones, waited forever behind Tua Tonga-Vailoa and Jalen Hurts to get his chance to play, and all he did was lead Alabama to an undefeated national championship season. And now the speculation is running wild. Is he going third to San Francisco? Is he going somewhere else? Who likes him? Who doesn't like him? And why? How did he get the nickname The Joker? And did he really tell Nick Saban's first string defense to play better when he was torching them as Alabama's scout team quarterback? We'll get into all of that this week with Mac Jones. Delighted to be joined now by former Alabama quarterback Mac Jones. And Mac, I want to welcome you in. But first, let me say this. That was pretty good. For those that don't know, uh, Mac took Chinese in his high school, and uh, his sister also took Chinese. And when they didn't want their parents to eavesdrop on them, they spoke in Chinese. That's pretty ingenious, right? That's pretty good. Yeah, we, we we did pretty well at it. I mean, we definitely could have known more and had more code words and stuff, but it was, it was good enough to get by. <laughs> yeah, so for, for those that don't know, I said, uh, welcome to the show and how are you? I, I, and hopefully, I didn't butcher it too bad, right? It was decent? Uh, it, was, it was a little out of order, but it was pretty good. <laughs> it was pretty good. All right, well, just just want you to know, I, I, I did my homework. Um, so I, I like it. So, so how has this experience been for you? Because, you know, when the season started, People like ah, Mac Jones, and and now you're the talk of the draft. Yeah, it's been pretty wild. I mean, obviously, with you know the season, obviously everyone saw that what we did during the year, and then next thing you know, we finish the game, the national championship game, win that, and then I'm in the Senior Bowl like a week later, training down in Mobile and doing everything. So it was a quick turnaround, but um, it's kind of what I signed up for. It's what I want to do. I want to be busy and. I want to get contacted by a lot of teams, which has been happening for the past two months. So it's been really awesome, but it's about what I expected. So when you said this is what I signed up for, you weren't kidding, because when you graduated from high school, you had 24 offers to play, but none of them the likes of Alabama. And you knew what they had at Alabama. You knew that Jalen was there and you knew the Tua was there. So why were you so determined to go to Bama knowing you'd probably sit for a few years? Yeah, I think it just with the whole story there, um, Coach Saban just got me up there for a camp. Actually, it was like a Friday night and I live in Florida, which is eight hours away. And he wanted me to be there the next day. So I was like, I don't know if that's going to be possible, but we made it happen. My dad kind of drove through the night. We made it to the camp. You know, they offered me. I had a bunch of offers and stuff, like you said, was committed to Kentucky. But I just love that conversation single handedly changed my mind and 
just what he was telling me about, you know, the process. And I know everyone hears that word and it's like, what does that even mean? But he really defined it for what it meant for me as a player and a person at Alabama. So I just love what he said. And then obviously everything else takes care of, um, of it for itself is like the, like the facilities and all that stuff. You know, that's just, it's top line. Nowhere is better. Um, facilities, dining hall, treatment, weight room, everything. So that was easy. That was the easy part for me. You could just walk around and see that. But Coach Saban and I talking was probably the number one thing that changed my mind. What was it that he told you that that made you believe that you would get your opportunity? Yeah, I think it was just, you know, how he saw me coming as a player. He was very honest with me. He told me, you know, when you play quarterback for me, you know, you don't have to do anything really well. You just have to do everything you know, good. So you don't have to try and make the best play ever where you're running around in circles, you know, circling the defense and throwing it deep. He just wanted me to, you know, operate within the framework of the offense. And that's what I've always been good at is just doing what the coaches tell me to do and then executing it. If they want me to run around and scramble, I'll run around and scramble. But, you know, for Coach Saban, he wants you to sit in there and, you know, operate the offense and get everybody lined up and do what you're supposed to do as a quarterback. So that was kind of what he told me. And obviously in terms of development and how he saw me, you know, how I could grow in the weight room. And obviously you're at Alabama playing against the best players on scout field or whatever that may be, um, where you're not, you're not a starter, but you're going against guys that are NFL caliber players. Yeah. Running around and making those crazy throws. That's what pro days are for. Apparently that's, that's the new thing, right? (laughs) That that's go, go do these throws that maybe you'll do once every three seasons. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I like that. That's a good way. Yeah. It is. I mean, like, I always find it funny that people put so much stock in pro days where they have like they have your season where you set a record, an NCAA record, 77.4 completion percentage, established a tied record with 4,500 passing yards, 41 touchdown passes against four interceptions. Yet they want to see you do stuff at the pro day. Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm just going to compete regardless. So I just go out there and throw. And yeah, I mean, I threw fine, I thought, but you're going to miss some and you're going to hit some. I think at pro day, you know, people tailor their scripts, but I made my script really hard. So of course I'm going to miss some deep passes. Like I probably threw more deep passes than anybody else, but you know, pro day is pro day. But if you watch the tape, I think that speaks for itself, like you said, but um, it's all part of the experience and, you know, more so just your last time being with your teammates and all that stuff, but they want to see you interact with your teammates and how you are as a person. You know, I think of one, like I hit the roof on one of them. Uh, Coach Saban was kind of like, I kind of turned around. I was like, Coach Saban, can we not get a bigger indoor here or what? And everyone <laughs> loved that. I mean, it's just you get to show off your personality too, just things that happen. Yeah. Um, but stuff like that. But it's been it's been awesome. Well, listen, that's how you got the nickname Joker by saying things like that, correct? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. It's more so like my laugh, but some of it has to do with that as well. Well, I also read a story where at one point you were running the scout offense against the first team defense and you kept throwing bombs and touchdowns and Saban actually told you to cut it out. And your response was, make the defense stop me. Yeah, that, that happened a lot. <laughs> I was just, y'all only heard one version of the story. But I mean, if you ask the people that were on the defense or on the scout team, they would say that was every day thing me and him kind of chirping back and forth how frustrating was it i mean obviously you knew what you signed up for like you said but how frustrating was it knowing that you're doing these things with the scout team against the number one defense and 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 knowing you weren't going to see the field for a while yeah i thought it was awesome um you know you could get frustrated but for me it was like how could i make the defense's day miserable like how could we (laughs) score as many touchdowns as possible but i mean at that point you're obviously frustrated that you're not playing 
but you have to help out the team first of all, but you also want to make it fun and realistic. So everything that I did was realistic. Like they would circle a guy to throw it to. And I was like, that guy's not open. So I'm not throwing it to him. And I'll maybe throw a deep ball over someone's head and score, but I would get yelled at for it. But I kind of learned in that regard to do your job and do what you're supposed to do. But at the same time, you just want to go out there and play while you're on the scout field. Well, why would you get yelled at? Because isn't that what you're supposed to be doing? Like, aren't you supposed to be pushing those guys? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's more like, you know, there's a play and it's like I said, there's a circled guy where they want you to throw in. I might, you know, do something else, but you're supposed to. I mean, he doesn't get mad about that. He wants you to push the the, the defense, but he also wants to give him a good look. So you got to do both. Um, but yeah, I always I always made made it fun. And I think the people on my scout field actually enjoyed going to practice instead of, like you said, being frustrated. They were more just like, this is kind of fun. So your entire year that you played was kind of fun. So why don't we take a break real quickly? When we come back, we'll talk about what your realistic expectations were for your final season at Alabama and how it all played out. We're back with Mac Jones right after this. This episode is brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Sprinter Vans. With options like Blind Spot Assist and Active Lane Keeping Assist, plus MBUX Voice Command technology for directions, weather forecasts, comfort control, and more, Mercedes-Benz can be ready to go the extra mile. I use it every time I head to the golf course. The handling is amazing, the ride is smooth, and trust me, you never run out of space. Thanks again to Mercedes-Benz Sprinter Vans. Back with you on this episode of Half Forgotten History with former Alabama quarterback and a guy that's going to go very early in the first round, Mac Jones. Mac's going the extra mile with us, and we're going the extra mile this season on Half Forgotten History, thanks to our friends at Mercedes-Benz Sprinter Vans. So, like we said, Mac, you had to wait a while to get your opportunity, and you finally get it. What were your expectations going into the season? Yeah, I mean, expectations is an interesting word for me. Like To me, sometimes you set expectations, and they're too high to reach, and then you get let down. So I kind of more so believe in like goals and stuff like that. Um, but leading into the season, obviously the, the main goal for our entire team was to win the national championship, but that's everyone's goal. But it's more so how you get to that point. Um, and individual stats and stuff will take care of themselves. Like what we noticed in the past, Alabama a little bit, was like people were focusing on that instead of winning um, and doing what's right. So that kind of just took care of itself. So I didn't say, you know, win this or win that award. I just wanted to win the national championship and then you kind of look up and everyone's winning awards and everyone's getting, getting good reviews from our coaches and how they're playing and everything like that. So um, it's been really good just to follow that simple, you know, simple goal like that. And then, you know, other things just fall in place, but. But there was one thing that you wanted to work on this year, if I'm not mistaken, you knew that you had quality NFL quality receivers in Smith and Waddle. So you spent a lot of time in this offseason working on your deep throws. And that yeah. certainly paid off because on throws of 20 or more air yards this year, you were 33 of 56, 1,355 yards, 17 touchdowns and two interceptions. And that's something you worked on with some of your coaches in the offseason specifically, right? Yeah, we, you know, obviously there was COVID, but those guys were, you know, out there with me almost every day. You know, Mechie, Waddle, Smitty, all those guys, Miller, the tight ends, whoever, running backs, Najee, even some of the offensive linemen were out there. So we were just out there trying to get better. Um, you know, we'd take the script for the day and kind of walk through the plays. And then I would work on some of the stuff I needed to work on, whether it was, you know, the deep ball or whatever. And they wanted to, you know, do some cuts and I threw it to them. So it was kind of a back and forth relationship, but we definitely utilized that like time in the offseason and it showed up in games. 
Um, and it, it just looked easy during the season, but we actually put a lot of hard work into it you know, throughout the year and before the season even started. Well, preparation certainly is something that you went to Alabama with, and it certainly seems like it's something that you worked on in the offseason. Uh, I, I read a story where your dad, who, by the way, played tennis and once beat Yannick Noah, a former French Open champion, that he sent you to Alabama with, with basically an outline, right? Like a complete chapter of how to prepare and, and, uh, and impress people. Yeah, he's definitely helped me a lot. Um, you know, obviously, like you said, he played tennis and stuff, and he's very successful in what he does because he works really hard. So I just kind of asked him to help me out um, and create goals like we talked about that will help you because, you know, you can set goals for yourself and, and really reach for them. But we, we did every little goal there ever was from, you know, getting more flexible to what stretches you can do to get more flexible or I want to be the starting quarterback. All right, well, what drills do I need to work on that will help me become the starting quarterback or how do I watch film? How do I, you know, get better with my teammates, whatever it may be, just anything that could help. How do I get better in the classroom? Whatever. So we did every little big goal and then broke it down into a bunch of process goals. And, you know, there's still a sheet around somewhere and I've looked at it, but it's pretty cool to go back and look at some of the things that I accomplished. Um, obviously I'll have to create a new goal sheet coming up soon. I'll probably do that coming up this week um, and then get ready for the NFL stuff. But that's always been a way that I've operated well is just having something that you can you know, reach for. But once you get there, you got to create more goals because if you just get your goals and stop working, then things don't work out exactly how you want them to. No, but you're, you're right. And I think a lot of people don't understand that because, you know, a, it's a dream until you write it down or put it down. Then it becomes a goal that makes it real. Right. That's a good way to put it. That's a really good way to put it. Well, thank you. It's what I do. You know, I'm not quite I'm not quite your dad with the stretches, but I mean, he even told you, like, when you're talking to your coaches, don't fidget. Right. He said, look yeah. him in the eye. I mean, he was very specific about a lot of things. Yeah, literally every everything. But it wasn't like he made me do those things. It was I wanted yeah. him to help me. And, you know, he he helped me. So I just I don't feel bad asking people for help. I mean, some people are more quiet or whatever, but I just needed help to uh, kind of see that, like you said, the dreams come to reality. And then, you know, you look up four years later and you com like completed a lot of the things that you wanted to do. So, well, you won the Davey O'Brien award, which goes to the, you know, the best quarterback in the nation. You're also consensus all American, but you also won a, a very prestigious award that only one person wins every year. And every year there's a quarterback that said, well, he's more athletic than Tom Brady. So congratulations. You're this year's winner of being the quarterback who says he's more athletic or the people say is more athletic than Tom Brady. What when you hear things like that? What goes through your mind? People make that comparison or whatever. But I mean, I think I'm athletic. I don't like comparing myself to other people. I am athletic. I kind of even make jokes about it, you know, but I really am growing up. And I was I was always very athletic, played a lot of different sports. But, you know, sometimes on the field. I'm not going to run around, like I said, and make all these crazy throws because I don't need to. I'm just going to do what I'm supposed to do. But, um, yeah, it's good to get that award that you're talking about, I guess. <laughs> no, every, every year, somebody in the rep, well, you know, he's a more athletic version of Tom Brady. It's like, so that, I mean, I, I'm sure you have a mantle where the Davey O'Brien Award is going, but you got to carve out a place for that one yeah, as well, all you right? Can, you can make it and send it to me or something. <laughs> Done. I'm very creative. Be careful what you wish for. You you might uh, you might regret it. The address, you can drop it off. <laughs> Perfect. Um, the, the other thing which I thought was really interesting is that, uh, you graduated, what, two and a half years with a 4.0 GPA. You weren't kidding around in school. That's another thing. It's like I took very serious. Um, just I always kind of compete in the classroom, too. So I'm going to try and get, you know, a good grade, but also learn 
what I'm supposed to learn in the class. So yeah, I graduated, you know, undergrad with a 4.0 and postgrad with a 4.0. So that's awesome. And I think it's, you know, it goes to show that you have to be a full, full circle um, person and player, especially in college, you're a student athlete, not just an athlete. So um, I never missed a class at Alabama. Like I took a lot of pride in being on time and not getting in trouble for doing the little things like that, um, doing stuff like that. So I had to just, you know, kind of learn from people, but I also always have had that like drive in, in, in myself just to be on time and do the things that you can control well. You know, it's interesting because uh, a lot of people in last year's draft saw Justin Herbert out of Oregon and how serious he took his uh, studies and he eventually went to be a doctor when his playing days were over. And there were some people that were like, ah, is he really, is he really serious about football? Cause he's, you know, he's, he's taking his studies very seriously. And I always thought that was the dumbest thing in the world, because if you're going to do something, you might as well do it to it to your fullest. So right. what do you think that ability to, to carry that course load and graduate with that GPA tells uh, NFL teams about you? Yeah, I think, I mean, it just shows that I'm super driven. I mean, nobody forced me to graduate in a certain amount of years. I just did it, you know, on my own because I kind of loaded up my coursework and went to study hall and did all that. But I mean, it just shows that I care about what's important to me. And, you know, academics obviously is a big part and obviously I'm done with school. So, um, you know, I got two degrees and was very fortunate to do that, but I think it just shows that I'm a full, full all around person that just kind of does what they're supposed to do. Um, whatever's asked of me, I'm going to do it and try and do it to the best of my ability. This process is always very kind of weird leading up to the draft. And you, I've always said there should be two drafts. There should be a draft when the season's over and then a draft in April and see how different they would be because people's perceptions and things change so crazily. Like what were your, when, when you started the year, what did you think about your NFL prospects? Yeah. I mean, I always wanted to play in the NFL, but that wasn't even my focus. It was like, I just finally got the chance to be the starter at Alabama. So I was just trying to, you know, be a great starter, but even like my, you know, if someone would ask me about it as the season went on, I would get pissed. I was like, I don't want to talk about that. And I, you know, maybe would like not respond to their texts or not, you know, tell whoever I'm like, don't talk about that right now. I'm not focused on that. So obviously I have big goals and could see myself in the NFL and then kind of had a good season. And like I said, graduated twice, was a team captain, kind of checked a lot of the boxes that I wanted to check. And then sure enough, I put myself in a really good position based off of my tape and winning, you know, winning the national championship and winning all those games that we won. So it's been crazy. Um, I don't know if I would say that I'd be in this position if you looked back on it, but I always did have the confidence um, to do that. You sort of had to have that confidence going into the situation that you went into in Alabama, right? I mean, you had to eventually believe I'm going to get my shot. And betting on yourself sometimes is the hardest thing for people to do. But it sounds like that was your plan all along. Yeah, I definitely have always had confidence, but not in like a disrespectful way. But you always have to believe in what you're doing, you know, and get better every day. Like. You can't just have that confidence from high school. You got to have to have experiences that add up. But, you know, for me, I always just say I played football for, you know, however many years, whatever it is, 15 years now. <laughs> so I'm like yeah. a 15 year veteran in my mind because I've been playing since I was five. So I always have that confidence that, you know, this is what I do. And um, I just kind of read and react to what the defense does and go out there and let it rip. All right. So you said you weren't focusing on anything in the NFL this year because, like you said, you finally got to be the starter and you wanted to focus on that. So let's fast forward through the season now. You finish it. You win the national championship game. At what point did you realize, hey, I might be a first round pick? Yeah, I mean, 
a lot of my teammates, obviously, you know, they were considered first round draft picks and stuff. And I think we all just played better as the year went along. So we kind of realized that at the end of the season, we, you know, won the national championship. That's a big part of it for us. Like we were going to be very dissatisfied if we didn't win that game. But um, I think the tape speaks for itself. So you add up all the good games that we all had and then you kind of sit down and evaluate it with Coach Saban and people that you trust in your family and you talk with your teammates and they're like, all right, let's do this, you know? <laughs> so yeah. obviously it starts with yourself. You have to want to do it, but you also have to have good information um, to realize that you're going to put yourself in a good position to have success. All right. So why don't we take our, our final break here? And when we come back, we'll talk about this now transition that you're in and the expectations going forward. Uh, the winner of this year's more athletic than Tom Brady uh, college quarterback, Mac, Mac Jones is with us. Stay with us. We're coming right back. Basketball teams are gearing up for the final month of the regular season, and while some teams are locks to make it into the postseason, others are still fighting for their opportunity to chase that trophy this summer. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, wants to put you in the center of the action with a chance to turn $1 into $100 worth of free bets. Now, turning $1 into $100 worth of free bets is simple. Pick any basketball team, and if during that game the team of your choosing hits a three, bang, you bring home $100 in free bets. That's 100 to 1 odds on the team of your choosing to hit a three. They don't even need to win the game. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code WINGO when you sign up and turn $1 into $100 worth of free bets if the team of your choosing hits a three. That's code WINGO to turn $1 into $100 in free bets for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only and restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. You know, here on Half Forgotten History, we love talking to the legends in the game about the stories behind some of their most rewarding moments, sometimes in the biggest game possible. And when you're off the field, well, you want to be rewarded as well. So if you're looking for a credit card that fits your lifestyle, look no further. U.S. Bank has credit cards that make every day rewarding, no matter what you're into. For example, you feeling hungry? Well, check out the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining, and get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. That'll keep your wallet and your mouth full. Big spender? Well, the U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card has a low intro APR for large purchases or balance transfers. And you call the shots with the U.S. Bank Cash Plus Visa Signature Card. Choose two categories each quarter. Earn 5% back on your first $2,000 of eligible purchases from those categories. So don't just get a credit card. Get the right card to make every day more rewarding. Cashback, merchandise, travel rewards, and low intro APRs are waiting. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA Incorporated. And the cards are available to U.S. residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. All right, back with Mac Jones on this episode of Half Forgotten History. Mac, by the way, tell us what you're doing with uh, Bose in the run-up to the NFL draft, your partnership there. Yeah, so I you know, have a partnership with them. I'm really excited you know, to join the Bose family, I guess, and get a chance to work with them. Um, but I, I love their headphones, and I'm looking forward to just wearing them and, and listening to music. I like all types of music, so everyone has their preference, but Bose has been 
my favorite so far. Well, fantastic. And I'm sure it's the first of many partnerships for you going forward. Trust me <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> on, on the next level. I, I always find it interesting, like trying to evaluate an Alabama player coming into the NFL, because it feels like every year there are five or six guys going in the draft. So we're always trying to figure out, okay, where where are the Alabama players? Because it, it feels like when you watch the things that they do in college, there are so many of them that are going on to the pros. It's hard to get a real sense of of what they're going to be at the next level. Does that make any sense to you? I mean, yeah. I mean, Alabama, we just produce a lot of pro players. And um, yeah, people have their perception of certain guys, but everyone's their own player. But I mean, in terms of being pro ready, there's not a place better than Alabama in terms of, you know, everything top down football or non-football. They're going to get you ready to be a pro. Um, and by your you know, third or fourth year, people that are, you know, acting like pros and playing like pros will get a chance to be pros. So, um, you know, we, we all put ourselves in that position. But, you know, there's always going to be doubters and people will say like, oh, you have all these great players around you, which you do. But that's what you're supposed to do is get the ball to the playmakers. And, you know, you take a guy like Joe Burrow. He had great playmakers, too, and he did the same thing. So I don't know why people want to create it as a knock. Um, it's yeah. like, I'm not going to not throw it to the open guy or <laughs> things like yeah. that. You just do what you're supposed to do. And then, you know, you look up and you're all going to be in the draft, you know, making money and doing what you love. So, well, it's interesting that you mentioned Joe because Joe went into last season or the 2019 season, excuse me, as a potential six round pick. And then, of course, he lit the world on fire with an amazing team around him at LSU and became the number one overall pick. Do you kind of feel like your journey is similar to what Joe went through a year ago? Yeah, in a way, I mean, like you said, everyone kind of doubted him out at LSU. And then next thing you know, he comes back and some some pieces fall in place. But he looked great. And the reason he looked great, and I've heard stories, is because he was always always up at the facility, always preparing really hard. And that's exactly what I did. I didn't do you know much different, if not more. Just I'm always up there trying to get better. And then you go out on game day and you make everything look easy. And your teammates look at you and they have confidence in you knowing that you know exactly what the defense is doing and that you're the most prepared guy on the field. So I kind of just followed his story. And obviously what he did was what he did. And ours is a little different. But, you know, when you come out as a national championship quarterback, you're the best quarterback in college football. And, and it kind of is what it is. Like, you can't deny the fact that the person who wins the national championship is, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the country. There's no question. Now, what is interesting is you're going to be in a very unique group of Assuming that everybody's right and you're going in the first round, uh, since 2006, uh, there have been just six college quarterbacks taken in the first round uh, with fewer than 20 college starts, and you would be one of the seventh, and Trey Lance could also get in that group. Here are the list of the guys with less than 20 college starts. Mitchell Trubisky, Cam Newton, Dwayne Haskins, Mark Sanchez, Kyler Murray, and Ryan Tannehill. What do you think about the, it's been sort of a mixed bag of guys with fewer than 20 college starts. What do you say to people that might have concerns about that? Yeah, I think, I mean, if you look at the starts, I really only lost one game. So I'm in a different boat than all those guys. I know for a fact that none of them probably only lost one game, but um, you know, it is what it is. I, I, I waited my turn. A lot of people would have left. Um, I got my chance and, and did really well. So you know, I had a lot of good help along the way, but at the same time, you can look at the games and watch the tape and watch the plays in the games and see that it was good football and it was good quarterback play. So honestly, in my opinion, I got better each game and I'll continue to do that. So 
I'm really not peaked out or anything like that. I'm really just getting started. So I'm really looking forward to doing it in the NFL. And yeah, I could have gone back, you know, for another year or whatever, but I just felt like I was ready with graduating twice and, you know, I don't need a third degree in my opinion. So I'll ready to roll. <laughs> By the way, let's just point that was a strong flex. You know, I don't need a third degree. Yeah. I've got two. I don't need a third one. They can play the Dr. Jones on my jersey if I get another one. <laughs> when you see these latest mocks that have you going potentially third, is that something you were prepared for when the season began or when this process began? Yeah. I mean, I knew that a lot of teams, you know, saw a lot of good things in me. And anything can happen. But I mean, when you watch the tape, all the teams have said that they've been very impressed and getting to know me and my football IQ, um, they just love it. So I think, you know, the media and people like that want to bash me or this and that. But I think a lot of teams have me, you know, ranked high, which is really cool. But at the end of the day, they just want to find a guy who loves football and loves to compete. That's all they're looking for. So I think I've shown that. But you just you never you really never know. Like I, I've talked to yeah. people that didn't even talk to the uh, team that drafted them and the next thing you know they they get a phone call and they're on the team so you never know but it is really cool um to be in this position and to be able to even meet with teams and just be where we are is awesome for everybody and all the Alabama guys and really everybody in the draft is just really cool well I always say the draft is the only true reality television show because no one has a clue about how exactly. it's going to play out <laughs> and how it goes and that's kind of what makes it fun so what's what's been the weirdest part of this process the run-up to the draft what's been the strangest thing yeah, I'd just say like not being in person with some of the teams, it is kind of hard to like, you know, there's always a little bit of like Zoom awkward, not awkwardness, but you yeah. might cut somebody off while yeah. they're trying to talk. So that's just the only weird part. But honestly, all the teams I've met with have done a great job of like setting it up to where it's real easy. You watch the film, you get on the board, talk about your life, whatever, you know. So it's kind of like you're in person, but it's kind of the new normal. But that's kind of been the biggest surprise. What's been the best part about it for you? Mm, the best part. Honestly, I mean, besides this, I mean, clearly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. this has been my favorite part so far right here. <laughs> no, but um, honestly, just getting a chance to be where I am, like, you know, as a kid, you always dream about playing the NFL and you see, you know, the combine or this and that. I know that is not happening this year, but the whole process of it is really cool and how fast it happens. Like I said, I was, you know, won the national championship and was on, you know, the next day I'm getting ready. Um, to go to Mobile and then I'm in the Senior Bowl. So it's just real fast, but um, it's really cool. Like each experience kind of pops up. You just kind of have to attack it. So it's been fun. And, and someone that you modeled a lot of or sort of followed very closely uh, when you were a kid growing up in high school was Tim Tebow. Uh, in fact, if I'm not mistaken, you used to write BLT and not for bacon, lettuce and tomato, but be like <laughs> Tebow, correct? Yeah, yeah uh, BLT was on my wristband um, before games. So I would just look at it if I, you know, something happened, I was just like, be like Tebow, have like good composure and stuff like that, which I thought he always played with a lot of passion, but was very composed. So I just kind of model, model my game, my mental game after him a little bit. Obviously, he was someone that you admired and followed. So what would you say to someone who wants to be the next Mac Jones? Um, honestly, I would just say follow your dreams because a lot of people are going to tell you no along the way. And you just got to go with your gut. And if you want to do something, then you can do whatever you put your mind to. It's just, you know, there is going to be a lot of naysayers and doubters and this and that. And almost every journey that I've been on and every situation I've been in, people have doubted me. And then I've come out, you know, pretty well at the end of the day. So, um, you know, just don't listen to everybody and, and, and trust your family and trust your gut. 
Uh, and trust yourself because that's uh, that's worked out for you. Uh, no question. You you waited your turn, but your turn turned out to be pretty good, leading Alabama to yet another national championship. Well, listen, Mac, I really appreciate the time today, and I, I wish you best of luck going forward. It's, it's a crazy process. Just enjoy it. We started this with me butchering, well, uh, saying "Welcome to the show. How are you?" in Chinese. So I'm going to close <laughs> with the only other thing I know in Chinese. All right. I spent three years as a kid living in Hong Kong. And this is the only thing I remember is ya yi sam se um lo chop bak gao sop. That's one through ten. That's it. That's all I got. There you go. I'll say xie xie zai jian. Thank you and goodbye. Whatever. You you bet. Whatever he just said. Hey, listen, man. Best of luck to you, okay? Awesome. Thank you. All right. See ya. So that'll do it for this week's episode of Have Forgotten History. Once again, our thanks to Bama quarterback Mac Jones. And here's hoping Mac Jones has a career in the NFL that lasts as long as next week's guest, Ryan Fitzpatrick or Fitzmagic. You can do Fitzmagic. You can do anything your heart desires. Magic. Seriously, Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to join us. Talk about his long, strange trip and how his beard is sort of emblematic of his entire career. It's long and glorious and all over the place. <laughs>